the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, January the 13th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, 1982, an Air Florida 737 crashed into Washington, D.C.'s 14th Street Bridge. It fell into the Potomac River. It was trying to take off in a snowstorm. It killed 78 people. Today in 1794, President George Washington, he approved a measure adding two stars and two stripes to the American flag following the admission of Vermont and Kentucky to the Union. That didn't go over all that well. The number of stripes was later reduced back to the original 13. Today in 1941, a new law went into effect granting Puerto Ricans U.S. birthright citizenship. Today in 1972, Johnny Cash performed and recorded a pair of shows at Folsom State Prison in California. Material from the concert was released as an album by Columbia Records under the title Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison. They were a big hit. You probably knew that. Today in 1992, Japan apologized for forcing tens of thousands of Korean women to serve as sex slaves for its soldiers during World War II. They cited newly uncovered documents that showed that the Japanese army had had a role in abducting the so-called comfort women. Today in 2000, Microsoft Chairman Bill Gates, he stepped aside as chief executive, promoted company president Steve Ballmer to the position. He has since retired, as you may know. Today in 2012, the Italian luxury liner Costa Concordia ran aground off that Tuscan island. I think the island, I think, was Giglio or something like that. It flipped on its side. Remember that gigantic big cruise ship very close to the shore, laying on its side? 32 people were killed on that. He, he later said, the, the captain of that ship said he was trying to give the people a closer look at the shoreline. That's probably not a good idea with a big luxury liner. Ten years ago today, President-elect Barack Obama's nominee for Secretary of State, Hillary Rodham Clinton, she vowed during the Senate confirmation hearing to revitalize the mission of diplomacy in U.S. foreign policy. Well, she revised it. There's no question about that. I don't know if she revitalized it or not. Remember they had that reset button that she took the off to Russia or wherever it didn't work. Actually, what they, what she said when she offered that reset button to them was a word. She was trying to say it in their language, and, and the word, she somehow misconfigured the word, and it meant something very different. In fact, it was very derogatory. They laughed about it, but that was kind of the beginning of her international career. And um, I would say it went downhill from there all the way to Benghazi and, and elsewhere. 
Interesting story out there today. Um, in fact, there are a couple of them I wanted to share with you. Last night, I, I haven't confirmed this because I just saw it a little while ago, but last night, uh, the New York Times put out a story that Senator Mitch McConnell, he is until the 20th of this month, the majority leader in the Senate, the Republican majority leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell. The New York Times is saying that he has told associates that he believes President Trump committed impeachable offenses and that he's pleased that Democrats are moving to impeach him, believing that it will make it easier to purge him from the party and um, others that are not so happy with Donald Trump. It's interesting, the House is voting today to formally charge Trump with inciting violence against the country. It's not surprising, not at all surprising, that the Speaker of the House would move that forward. But it is surprising, if this is true, and again, I haven't verified that. I rarely say anything on the air that I haven't verified to my satisfaction. But the New York Times is being quoted. I just saw this before I went on the air, and I didn't have time to look into it that much. But uh, the same story in the New York Times supposedly says that Kevin McCarthy, California, the minority leader, one of Trump's most steadfast allies in Congress, has asked other Republicans whether he should call on Mr. Trump to resign in the aftermath of the riot at the Capitol last week. While McCarthy has said he personally is opposed to impeachment, he and other party leaders have decided not to formally lobby Republicans to vote no. I it, This story doesn't feel like it's true, but boy, if it is, that's really a disappointment. I mean, people that have stood with Trump and more, more importantly, perhaps, that he stood with himself and supported over the last while seem to be turning against him. I noticed a hesitancy really with with Vice President Pence, and I'm a big fan of his, a big supporter of his, have been for a long time, long before he became Vice President. I had been told before President Trump announced who his Vice Presidential pick would be that it would be Pence. In fact, I mentioned it on this program in advance. I've had some contact there, and I just was surprised at his hesitancy in standing strong for the for the president. I know all these guys are looking at their future political careers, but I'm thinking that if they're not going to even appear to be supporting Trump at this point, that may cost them because there were about 75 million people who voted for Trump. And um, I don't think any of them have forgotten what's happened over the last number of days since the election. And I don't think that people who, Republicans who take a position against Trump should expect those 75 million people to show up and vote for them when they run for re-election or perhaps for a new office, even run for the presidency in 2024. I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. But it's very, very interesting. And um, (laughs) I'm not sure what they're thinking. I'm not a politician, so I'm sure... I'm sure they're much smarter than I am at what they're doing, but I don't know if that's very wise or not. President Trump, speaking of President Trump, 
he uh, went to the to Alamo, Texas yesterday to uh, recognize and to uh, show up at the southern border, the wall. They were celebrating or recognizing the 450th mile of the new border new border wall of construction. He had promised when he was running for president that he'll build a wall, and he did. Among his comments, he said, as you know, we've completed the wall. He said, uh, he said they may want to expand it. We'll have the expansion underway. It's been tremendously successful, far beyond what anyone thought. Well, indeed, it has been. It has, it has really brought down, and it's not completed yet, but 450 miles of it is. And it's brought way down the amount of traffic coming across illegally across the border. So he did what he said he would do, and and it is working, as he said, and others said that it, it would and, and should. He's done so much for so many. You just wonder why some of the people that are closest to him are turning on him. It, it's just surprising to me. It's not, I don't say that out of loyalty. I say it out of just clear thinking and common sense. But that's what seems to be happening. I don't know. You, Some of you who listen to this program will know this because I, we get responses from northern Idaho quite a bit. People listening to it, Spokane area, are, we originate every morning live out of Spokane, as you know, out on ACN, the ACN radio network, which is a great, great network, and I'm honored to be on it. And then we're picked up by others, and uh, hopefully a few more this year um, that we have now. We'll, we're praying about it, asking God to direct us, and maybe speak to your hearts about that. But um, you may know about this. Some of you listening, I'm sure you do. A northern Idaho Internet provider blocked access to Twitter and Facebook on its customers' requests. Yeah, the, in, the, the T1 Wi-Fi. In North, I guess it's in Spokane as well, but Northern Idaho says the guy that owns it says he's received phone calls from customers after those websites moved to block certain types of content and suspended accounts associated with President Donald Trump. They said it's come to our attention that Twitter and Facebook are engaged in censorship of our customers and information. An email to T1 Wi-Fi customers said. We have the past couple of days been fielding calls from customers, they say, voicing their concern. They do not want these sites. In other words, the customers of T1 Wi-Fi do not want the, um, they, they don't want to see the even the symbols of Twitter and Facebook on their screen. They said, we don't want it. We don't want our children to see it. We don't want them using their sites. They said we could do this ourselves, but they don't have the technical knowledge or it would be very tiresome for them to to go through, you know, step by step, day by day and so on. But this Brett Fink, he's the owner of T1 Wi-Fi. He told Newsweek that the emails are authentic. He said customers had requested the Twitter and Facebook become inaccessible in their household. He went on to tell Krem TV in, in, uh, or radio TV, I think it was, in Spokane that um, he said people that aren't requesting they be blocked, it, they're not being blocked too. But he said there are a lot of people that are wanting those things blocked. They don't even want their their icons in their house. So um, very interesting. It's become a national story now. And uh, I think that reflects the feeling of a lot of people around the country. But I, I see it also, it also, all of what's happening today and and has been happening over the last few weeks. It seems as though 
that that's also fueling the the determination, just the dogged determination of the far left. Washington State Representative Parmela Jayapal, she announced Monday evening that she has tested positive for COVID-19. It's been in the news. You probably have heard that. But I wanted to, I wanted to just go back to that story. It, she announced it Monday night. I wanted to go back to that story just for a moment and take a look at it because I think it re- turns the light on. It reflects a larger issue that's going on in the culture. She said Monday evening, she said, as a result of being locked down in a secured room at the U.S. Capitol, where numerous Republican lawmakers recklessly refused to wear masks in the moments after the January 6th attack, she said she became positive. She said too many Republicans have refused to take this pandemic and virus seriously. However, guess what CBS caught her doing on their camera? You can guess, and I'll come back to that in a moment, but progressive isn't always progress. It's not forward motion. It gives you the impression that it is. It gives you the kind of the illusion that I'm a progressive and we're making progress, and all progress is good progress. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that. Going back to Parmilla, the press release said, quote, the duration in the room was multiple hours and several Republicans not only cruelly refused to wear a mask, but mocked colleagues and staff who offered them one. This was when they were ushered out of the chamber when these people came into the into the Capitol. And let me say again, and I've said this on the air before, and I've said it in writing, I do not condone that. I oppose that. That's not right. That doesn't take this country, and it doesn't take conservatives where they want to go. That's not the way to address things. And it's illegal, most importantly. I do not. I do not support that, that kind of a reaction and a response. However, boy, these far-left people, the way they're responding, I object to that, I'll tell you for sure. But anyway, she railed on in this release that she put out Monday night. She said, quote, only hours after Trump incited a deadly assault on our Capitol, he didn't, that she said our country and our democracy, many Republicans still refuse to take the minimum COVID-19 precaution and simply wear a expletive mask in a crowded room during a pandemic. She said this experience has caused her to, quote, not rest until I do everything in my power to remove this president from office. And she said, I'm calling for serious fines to be immediately levied on every single member who refuses to wear a mask in the Capitol. Additionally, any member who refuses to wear a mask should be immediately removed from the floor by the sergeant of arms. Continuing, she said, this is not a joke. Our lives and our livelihoods, this is your representative. Uh, What is she from? District 7, I think. Um, anyway, she said, additionally, any member who refuses to wear a mask should be immediately removed from the floor by the sergeant of arms. Continuing, Washington's own representative, Parmela Jayapal, she said, this is not a joke. This is not a joke. Because her life and livelihood are risk by anyone who refuses 
refuses to wear a mask. They should be held accountable for endangering, endangering the lives of other people. She said she called it selfish idiocy. I'd like to talk a little bit about selfish idiocy, uh, idiocy for a moment. Shortly after her rant about the importance of wearing masks, the miserable failure of Republicans to do so, CBS News was running a story. No, they weren't trying to report on her. They would not do that to a far-left progressive. But they were running this story, and in the video, they're inside the Capitol, and in the video, here is none other than Washington State's own Parmilla Jayapal. She's sitting in the in the gallery there, in the kind of off the floor, and um, she's watching what's going on. And guess what? She's not wearing a mask. And this CBS News um, piece goes on for about two and a half minutes. And the whole time that you can see her, she's not wearing a mask. <laughs> With progressives, it's kind of rules are for thee but not for me. The Business Insider ran a story yesterday. They're not a conservative news source, but they wrote extensively. Last month, they had had another story about the same thing, about the hypocrisy of the left. They noted that over a dozen Democrat elected officials have been accused of hypocrisy after flouting their own official guidance and best practices for containing COVID-19, over the last 60 days. In California alone, they listed Governor Gavin Newsom, San Francisco Mayor London Breed, San Jose Mayor uh, Sam Licardo, and Senator Dianne Feinstein, all being caught violating their own mandates, or the ones they agree to at least, for everyone else. And that's what we're seeing in America today. All these rules are coming out. The progressives are going crazy with these mandates and these rules. Yesterday, uh, de Blasio, the mayor of, of, um, of New York, he came out and said, we have to lift these bans. And he's planning to do it right around Inauguration Day. The things that he has been pounding his fist over for the last nearly a year now, ruining people's lives, shutting down businesses, he came out yesterday and said, we can't go on with these bans. We have to lift these bans. He sounded like a Republican. He said, we have to lift these bans. We're going to be putting businesses out of, uh, small businesses out of, out of business. We're going to be bankrupting them and on and on and on. They just turn on a dime because they don't have any real core values. Truly, progressivism embraces relativism. And that's why it is always a destructive ideology. It's a selfish idiocy. It's interesting. Who can forget? All these guys in California have been putting out these all these rules and we got to shut it down for the greater good and all this kind of thing. Remember Steve Adler? You probably don't know the name offhand, but he's the mayor of Austin, Texas. The progressive mayor of Austin, Texas, I might add. He recorded a Facebook video here a while back. It's been a month or so now. But he was encouraging constituents to stay home without revealing that he was addressing the city. He was talking to the city as their mayor, telling them to stay home while he was in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. 
He'd flown down there on a private plane with eight other peoples to just spend some time on the beach. They were partying it up. And he was telling the people in Austin to please stay home. Look out for other people. Respect other people's rights. Don't don't infect them or whatever. And he flew to Cabo right after he had hosted a wedding in, in Austin for his daughter that was attended by 20 guests where they had also had a reception and a party. That's the selfish idiocy that I think we should be looking at and talking about. Not necessarily the conservatives. C.S. Lewis had a lot to say about a lot of things. He talked about progressivism in some of his writings, and I want to share some of that with you. C.S. Lewis said, we all want progress, but progress means getting nearer to the place where you want to be. And if you've taken a wrong turning, then go for, go, to go forward does not get you any nearer. He said, if you are on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. And in the case of the man who turns back soonest, he's the most progressive man. C.S. Lewis says there's nothing progressive about being pig-headed and refusing to admit a mistake. And I think if you look at the present state of the world, he said, it's pretty plain. And that was a while ago. He would say it's pretty, pretty plain now. But he said it's pretty plain that humanity has been making some big mistakes. We're on the wrong road, he said. And if that is so, we must go back. Going back is the quickest way on or forward. The ancient prophet Jeremiah, speaking for the Lord, told God's people, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will rest your souls. The record, the Bible, the oldest historical record that humanity has, it tells us that the people said no. They opted for progress. They said, no, we're not going to go back to the old ways. Then the Lord spoke to them through the prophet and said, I'll set a watchman, someone to sound the trumpet to the culture. They said, we're not going to listen. We're not going to walk in the old ways and we're not going to listen to these conservative ideas. These thus saith the Lord principles. We have our own way. We have a new way. And if you read through that that book of Jeremiah, you find that he was the voice speaking for God and he was despised. But he kept speaking. He was faithful. But calamity followed and it was great calamity. And the Hebrews were and are God's people. I think we've reached a time in history here in our own culture where we're going to have to be Start paying attention to God's word. I heard somebody on Facebook, a friend of our family, and again, I haven't verified this, but they said they had posted Second Chronicles 7.14 on their page or whatever you call it, and the page had been taken down. I don't know that to be true, but that kind of activity is going on pretty regularly right now in our culture. It's an hour-by-hour matter. Facebook is out again today saying they're considering making 
their ban on Trump lifetime, just like Twitter did. Anything that they disagree with, and Trump is the biggest target, of course, but anything that they disagree with, they're canceling. Anything they disagree with, they're saying doesn't exist or isn't worth hearing. It's of no consequence, and it's gone. Whether it's a person, whether it's an idea, or whether it's an eternal principle from God's Word. If it doesn't fit the progressive moment, it's of no value. Whether it's a statue, a building, a symbol, it doesn't matter. And that's the environment in which we're living. Second Chronicles 7.14 is an important verse in the Bible, and many of you know it from memory. I do, and I'd like to share it with you. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways that I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That is the voice of the heart of God. In the beginning, our nation sought God's voice. In the beginning, the founders of this nation sought God's ways, the old paths. Not so they would be stuck in the past and not be able to proceed, but so they could, as C.S. Lewis has pointed out, proceed on the right path. It's of no value to be walking on the wrong road, the road that is wide, that is headed for destruction. It is of no value, and it certainly isn't progressive, to be walking down that road to destruction. And the road that this nation is on now, by because of the leadership that we've chosen, I say we collectively, I didn't choose him, but a lot of people did, including the people that were fiddling with our election. And I do believe there was fraud. But we are, it is what it is, and we are where we are. And I believe that God is speaking to his people and to the hearts of each of us who are Christians, who know the Lord, to be that light, to be that, that salt and light in the culture. This is a time for us to stand, not to shrink back and to hide in a cave somewhere, whether it's for our own safety or just being timid. This is a time to stand up. And yes, it may cost a little. It's already cost some people more than a little. And it may cost to stand for conservative values and more so for the word of God. But I will tell you, I will tell you, I believe this is what God is saying to his people today. Call out call out the truth of God's word in love. But people need to know that there is a better way. This is a wide path, and the path that we're on today, the trajectory that's being set by the incoming administration, is a wide path, and it leads to destruction because it honors sin and perversion in all of its forms. And it will be more and more and more encoding these things into the culture as we go forward over the coming weeks and months. I don't say this, that we'd be discouraged. It's just that we'd be informed. And we can stand in God's light and let that shine into the darkness, even if the darkness doesn't fully comprehend it. But we're called to be the light, the light of Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. Hey, thanks for being with me today, and thank you for your support. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I appreciate the notes that you send and the encouragement that we receive from you. We, I read them all. 
And um, there's more of them each month. And thank you for that. We need your support. But thank you so much for standing with us. These are going to be curious times ahead of us. But God is in control. Never, ever forget that.